You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Final hour, Brett Martell of the Associated Press covers the Saints. Talk a little NFL, a little Saints with him coming up at 1020. We'll replay my conversation with Carter Bryant from yesterday. If you missed it, it was fantastic. I thought it was worthy of a, a second plug for everybody here. At the bottom of the hour, we have sports libs. And then Valentine's Day tomorrow, so our moment is in. Logan's whipping up a little Valentine's Day moment is in, as we are just officially a couple of hours away from that here in the central time zone. Our Blue Runner Foods opinion poll tonight, should the Saints trade with the Steelers for wide receiver Antonio Brown? Simple yes or no there. You heard myself and Mike Neighbors talking about this earlier in the show. We both lean no. I think Mike's a hard no. I'm a lean no on this. But there are a few locker rooms in the league that I think could withstand a big presence in the locker room, a disruptive presence in the locker room. Certainly the Patriots have proven they are one. I think the Saints are one of the others. But what they've built here with this locker room, the chemistry that's been special the last two years, I, I do think they should stay away from anything that might disrupt that. Brett Martell coming up to talk more about all that in just a little bit. Big moves today. Joe Flacco, he was traded from the Ravens to the Denver Broncos. So the Broncos are moving on from the Case Keenum experiment. They will now turn to Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco got benched for Lamar Jackson, who couldn't really throw the ball. He was great offensively. But he wasn't – you could really consider him a, a modified H-back or halfback almost. Most run-heavy offense in the league, the Ravens, to the second half of the year. So it was an interesting offense. It was more – I don't want to say it was a gimmick, but I think it more it, it caught people off guard than it was actually you know, a long-term solution to their offensive woes. But they believe, the Ravens do, that they can develop Lamar Jackson into a competent starting quarterback in the league. And they, their time with Joe Flacco is now officially up. Now, John Elway traded for Flacco because he believes that he has rehabilitated rehabilitated quarterbacks there, and Flacco has won a Super Bowl and has proven with a good defense he can be an efficient, effective starting quarterback in the league. But I don't know how much better Joe Flacco is than Case Keenum right now at this stage of both of their careers. And he's better. I don't know how much better. I don't think the Broncos are suddenly going to become a challenger in the AFC West, let alone the AFC, with Joe Flacco under center. And this does have ripple effects for the Saints a little bit here. One of the spots that Teddy Bridgewater could have possibly landed was Denver in free agency. If John Elway, which now we know that he was, ready to move on from that Case Keenum experiment, maybe he would give Teddy Bridgewater a shot. And that's not happening. So the the prospects for Teddy Bridgewater landing a starting spot, have narrowed by one team. There are other teams out there that might give him a shot. Jacksonville is certainly one of those. Does Tennessee believe in Marcus Mariota? That's another. What about Oakland? There's reports that John Gruden is done with Derek Carr, but they have a high draft pick. There's not as many landing spots for starting job for Teddy Bridgewater as you'd think. The reason that's important 
is that Sean Payton and the staff really liked Teddy. Only saw that one game in week 17, didn't play all that well, but you can't really judge Teddy on that game, playing with a bunch of second, third, and fourth stringers. This is a guy who could, I'm not saying he assuredly would be, but could be the future starting quarterback for this franchise once Drew decides to hang it up. The only way Teddy would come back is if no other team is really going to offer him a chance to compete for a starting job. I still believe that he'll find that place somewhere out there. I do. I believe that somewhere in the National Football League, among the 31 other franchises, there is a spot that's willing to give Teddy Bridgewater a chance to come in and compete for a starting job. Is that Miami? I don't think it's Buffalo, as they drafted Josh Allen last year in that spot. Could it be Jacksonville? Although they have a high draft pick this year. Could it be Tennessee? Are they done with Marcus Mariota who can't stay healthy? I don't know. It's something to watch. Something to watch. The other big news over the last couple of days, we didn't get to this yesterday just because of the, the huge win for LSU basketball, but Kyler Murray, the reports are, that he is fully committed now to the NFL. He's going to pay back most of his signing bonus to the Oakland Athletics who drafted him in the top 10 of the Major League Baseball draft, and he's now fully focused on becoming a starting quarterback in the National Football League. It's interesting. This is a very personal decision, and I'm not going to knock a guy for making a, a – and this wasn't a, a cut-and-dry as it was a couple of months ago when I talked about this. A couple of months ago, before he won the Heisman, let's say October, September and October – Kyler Murray was nowhere near a first-round pick in the NFL. Now, not only are most people thinking some team's going to take a shot at him in the first round, a lot of people think he'll go in the top 15 of the draft. I don't know if he should go in the top 15, but if his agent, putting feelers out there, believes that enough teams are interested in him that he can become a high draft pick in the NFL, then the decision becomes a lot closer because the guaranteed money that they get on rookie contracts can be equitable to the signing bonus and the salary that you'd receive as one of the top draft picks in Major League Baseball. Here's the thing with Kyler Murray. I thought he should have won the Heisman this last year. He did. I thought he was the best, most exciting player in college football and really one of the more exciting players in college football than we've seen the last few years. He's a phenomenal talent at the college level. He's a phenomenal athlete. At any level, I do not know that at 5'8.5", 5'9", if you can truly succeed at a, a high-caliber level in the NFL. It hasn't been done before. We're not talking about the six-foot Drew Brees or the 5'11.5", Russell Wilson. A lot of people are comparing him to Russell Wilson, saying, well, look what Russell did out there. It's not the same. It's just not the same. Kyler Murray's a better athlete than Russell was. Russell's a sensational athlete, and he was in college. But Russell was a better passer, a more accurate passer of the football, threw a better deep ball. Also, he's two to three inches taller. Nat Matters had better arm strength than Kyler Murray. So this is an interesting decision. 
I'm not sitting here saying I knock Kyler Murray for his decision to focus on the NFL. I thought it got a lot closer, like I said, when he's now going to be possibly a top 15 pick. I don't see right now, like some people do, a lot of people disagree with me on this, I don't see him as a transitional talent, a transcendent talent at the quarterback level. I don't think what he did at Oklahoma is going to translate at the NFL level. I just don't. This isn't Mike Vick 2.0. Remember Mike Vick, what was he, 6'1"? He's got a similar skill set. Talking about five inches shorter than Mike Vick. Four to five inches shorter. That, again, that matters. You think four to five inches, what is that? No, that matters when you're standing in front of these behemoths who are 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", on the offensive line. And guys rushing the passer who are 6'4", 6'5". It matters. Something to watch. I think you're going to have a similar situation to what you saw with Johnny Manziel. Most draft nits, most draft experts believed that Johnny Manziel was not a first-round talent. But we saw that a team, the Browns, was willing to give him give him a shot and draft him with a first-round pick. I think we're going to say, again, it only takes one team. It only takes one team. One team is probably going to give Kyler Murray that shot. And we'll see how that works out. He can always return to baseball, but I always thought his best path to professional success as a player, and he's a better baseball player. It didn't, you know, he won the Heisman, but if you're talking about how his game translates to the pro level, he just was a better baseball player. So to watch out. I'm rooting for him. I certainly would think it would be cool to see something that we haven't really seen at the quarterback position. We'll see. We'll go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll focus a little more on the Saints with Brett Martell, who again covers the Saints for the Associated Press. Brett coming up here. I'm Seth Dunlap. Logan behind the glass. It's the last lap on WWL. Bringing on in Brett Martell, as promised. Associated Press sports writer in New Orleans. Brett's been a while since you've been on the program. How are you, buddy? Doing well. How are you? Hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm well. I'm better than the Pelicans. Before we get to some Saints stuff, man, I know I saw you write um, – your story yesterday after the the Pelicans game, so I know you were out there. What'd you make of of that? I don't even know how to describe it here uh, properly, but the disgraceful performance by Anthony Davis and the Pelicans yesterday that this whole city's talking about. Well, I do think that it's important to remember it's one game. I mean, it was one really bad game, but uh, you know, I've covered the NBA since two thousand two, and those happen every now and then. Um, it was pretty odd, though. I mean, it was, you know. By the standards of Anthony Davis' career, I think it was his, maybe his worst game since his rookie year. Um, he just, uh, yeah, he didn't, he just looked a little off, you know. Um, but it just seemed to me like one of those situations where the team came out a little flat against an, another team that really wanted it. Um, the, the Magic have been playing pretty inspired basketball lately because, you know, if you look at just the recent results, they've now won three straight games on the road by double digits. The closest game they won was by 16, then they won one by 20, and then they won again by 30 in New Orleans, all on the road, which is really kind of surprising when you look at their record, which is basically one game better than the Pelicans, although they're only, you know, I guess going into today less than two games out of a playoff spot in the East. So it may have been a convergence of factors, but you know, I mean, if any, if that kind of performance is uh, repeated at all, it would it would be extremely worrying. I'm very eager to see if they come back tomorrow night and look a little more competitive. 
like they looked two games ago in AD's first game back or, you know, in the string of games leading up to that where they, they lost three single-digit, you know, they had three single-digit losses in a row against playoff teams. Yeah, hopefully the fans are going to be out there at the Smoothie King Center. That happens. It also seemed to me that Alvin Gentry is completely over this nonsense. Uh, he didn't even really mince his words, Brett, in that postgame press conference yesterday. Alvin Gentry has had, has had it, hasn't he? Yeah, I think he has. And, um, you know, he's in, a, he's in a difficult spot because right now he's the only person that seems to be speaking on behalf of the franchise. And it's it's – you know, I mean, looking at it conservatively, I would say it's not, it's really not clear that he's uh, making a lot of these decisions or is in favor of the decisions. But I mean, I, I think it, if you read between the lines, it looks like he's, he's clearly not uh, in favor of some of the playing rotations he's having to deal with right now, especially as it con- you know, concerns uh, AD. And, you know, I understand that. I mean, it's, it's very disruptive to have a player who's not invested in the future of the team in the lineup. Let's talk some Saints here with Brett Martell, Associated Press sports writer here in New Orleans, at Brett Martell on Twitter. Big decisions this offseason, Brett. Top of the list might be what they decide to do with Michael Thomas, the wide receiver. What do you believe they're going to do? you think they're going to extend the guy this year? you think they'll let him play out his contract and then keep negotiating as he becomes um, a free agent after this season? What do you think they do? Well, you know, just covering Mickey Loomis as long as I have, I think he will seize the opportunity for an extension if he likes, you know, the – in other words, if he, if, he, if, he, if he views it as a favorable situation for an extension, he will. But if, you know, Michael Thomas winds up the representation that's trying to drive a really hard bargain, um, then Mickey will wait. I mean, he's waited on star players a lot. So, and I mean, he's waited in the past on, you know, Jimmy Graham and they had that arbitration fight and the, you know, I mean, over the franchise tag, I mean, he's, he's done the same thing with Drew Brees. So why wouldn't he do it uh, with Michael Thomas? Uh, you know, by the same token, anytime, you know, a player is happy in New Orleans and, and seems to have a constructive or proactive approach to getting an extension, Mickey tends to reward that quickly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll just have to see what Michael Thomas and his new representation's approach is. And if Mickey likes the numbers, then I think he would seize upon it and put that one to bed. Yeah, it's another interesting thing here is what they're going to do with their draft and how they're going to manage this. No first-round pick, no third-round pick. They do have the second-round pick. Do you think they're going to try to acquire more draft picks? I know there's been talk about Andres Pete being on the block and some other players here. Or do you think they're content just to roll with it and only one pick in the top 100 of the draft? Well, I think they have to explore options to acquire more draft picks because um, they've they've seen how, how how they've been able to sustain winning these last couple of years by uh, through good drafts. And, um, you know, and you look at, Obviously, other teams that are perennial winners are doing it. I mean, like the Patriots, for example, um, they, they seem to have a really nice mix of always bringing in good young players that, you know, technically you could argue a lot of the players in the Patriots outplay their contracts because uh, they're young and, and they've been well scouted and they may not be star players, but they're able to fill a role that um, makes them a good value. 
for the Patriots. And so they have a nice value like that. So the, I think the Saints are really trying to get closer to that model with a lot of their roster. Uh, and so they, I think they would highly value some draft picks if they have an opportunity to get them, especially, you know, if you're going to go by the Patriot model, say you take a player who is still technically in his prime and has value, but nearing the end of a contract where you feel like you're a little bit apprehensive about re-upping on that player going forward. That's a, that's a good point. I'm trying to get everybody's opinion on Mark Ingram here. Outside of Drew and I guess Thomas Morstead, there's not a guy that is, is harder for me to see in another uniform probably than Mark Ingram. We know it's a business. It might happen. Heck, it's maybe even likely to happen here. But I do wonder, Brett, with, with how close that he is to Sean Payton and how he's viewed inside that locker room, if the Saints won't try every way to bring him back and might just slightly pay him a little more maybe than they would otherwise, um, unless somebody comes in with you know there's an absurd offer here during free agency. What do you think on Ingram? The risk with that is if you think about um, you know where he is in his career and the age and, and what we'll have to see what the market is because I think a lot of people looking at free agency might say he's the best running back in in free agency and so we'll have to see what kind of money comes his way but you know they they did okay in the first few games without him um, and they have a lot of expensive contracts coming up so I, I think you would have to look at how this deal is structured and and everything but you know we'd already talked about Michael Thomas and then the year after that we're gonna have to start thinking about Alvin Kamara and and uh, you know before you know you're on to um, making decisions on Apple and Lattimore and you know all in like in the next three years all these things are coming up so uh, you know you're gonna have to figure out some things along the uh, Ryan Ramchek along the offensive line I mean Max Unger is getting older and going into the last year of his contract a lot lots of needs beyond running back so Ingram made it pretty clear that he loves it here. Um, he does have a good relationship. Uh, Peyton has made it clear that Ingram is more than just a running back, that you know his role on the team goes beyond what he contributes as a, as a rusher, if, if you will, right, because of how, um, how well-liked he is in the locker room and how a lot of guys kind of follow his very, very professional team-first approach to things. So... I, I think there's a better chance of him coming back than a typical free agent in his position, but there's still a lot of reasons why he might not. Brett, appreciate the chat, buddy. We're up against the break. I know we'll do it again pretty soon as the offseason approaches. Thanks so much. You got it anytime, Seth. Take right. care. Yep, you too. Brett Martell, sports writer for the Associated Press here in New Orleans. Hard break for CBS News when we come back. Tony in Australia, leader of the Houdat Army, down under. We'll weigh in, and then I'll replay my interview with Carter Bryant that comes your way next year on The Last Lap. All right, let's go to the leader of the Houdat Army down under here, Tony in Australia. Tony, what's going on, buddy? How are you, sir? Hey, you know, uh, loving the basketball life right now, living living some college basketball life, and not so good with our Pelicans, Tony, but uh, it's neither here nor there. LSU had a good win, though. Oh, great win. Great win, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Um, quick question. When is the actual schedule released in April? Early April. They do not give us a date, but it usually is – it just depends. I want to say last year they released it the week before the draft, but this is just off the top of my head. I think the year before they released it a little bit earlier than that. So there's no exact date when that gets released. Okay, because 
that's what I'm waiting for to plan the trip. Yeah, I know you're coming up here, and hopefully we get, I don't know, maybe they'll get something crazy like a, a Sunday, Thursday home-and-home home where you could stay and watch two games. Would you do that, Tony? Yeah, yeah I did that last time when I came over. Um, Sunday, Sunday, we played the the Giants in that massive game. And 100, 100, I think nearly 100 points were scored. Or, and uh, then Mariotta destroyed us the following Sunday. I remember I was up in the booth with the, the Jim Henderson on both of those. I remember that. It was like 50 to 45 or something like that. Uh, yeah, Drew yeah, and Eli. Field goal in the last few seconds. Yeah, Drew had seven. Giants. Yeah, Drew had seven touchdowns and Eli had six. Most combined touchdowns in NFL history from two quarterbacks. I, I distinctly remember yeah, that. Yeah, and we were 21 points up at three-quarter time. I, that's, <laughs> that's, that was just a crazy game. Yeah. And no, it, was, it, it, it was the same player that broke his leg in that game. Oh, I don't know. I don't remember in that game, Tony. I should remember, but I don't. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, because that happened right in front of us, and it was bad. I, d- I remember. Wasn't that in the end zone, the right side of the end zone, if I'm remembering right? Pretty oh. close, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can remember the play. I just can't remember who it was. Tony, good to hear from you, man. I'm glad you didn't go into hibernation in the offseason. No, well, I just caught the end of that conversation you were having about the Saints players. I wish I could listen online because... I really miss listening to this, uh, shows like yours and, and uh, you know, the one at four o'clock and listening to the conversations and all that kind of stuff is a pain. <laughs> I feel you, man. Well, stay in touch, okay? Don't be a stranger. Appreciate you calling. No, no, I won't. Good on you. See you, Seth. All right. See you when I come over. All right. Absolutely, Tony. We'll see you uh, not too long. We'll see you not too long. All right. Uh, yesterday, I had such, we have a conversation with Carter Bryant, who's a stand-up comic, host of the Carter Bryant Show, Talk Sports in South Arkansas. And our conversation this week, we had it yesterday right after LSU's win was so good, I wanted to replay that for anybody who didn't hear it. So here is my conversation with Carter Bryant. All right, that was yesterday, my conversation with Carter Bryant. It's always a pleasure. Be sure you give him a follow at Carter the Power on Twitter. He's the best. We're going to come back. Sports Libs, as we do every day, coming up next. All right, welcome back to the show. Time for a little rapid fire. Sports Libs. Logan Falgu. I'm trying to be like the Price is Right voice, but I don't know. I just don't have the correct energy tonight. I, you have to be so over the top for that. But Logan Falgu, come on down. That was terrible. That was horrible. I got to practice that more. Logan, behind the glass. What you got for us tonight, man? All right, I'm going to just jump straight into it. All right. All right, so... uh Blank and blank are really going to stand out in these upcoming LSU basketball and baseball games. Ooh, that is good. I think that coaching and young talent will stand out in those two. And I think in both, Maneri, Wade, all these young this is this pitching staff for LSU so young, and we already know the young talent on LSU basketball. So coaching and young talent will stand out. All right, next one up here. What could the Pelicans office or staff do to fight against the NBA? I could just this is a long answer uh, that I won't give, but they just show some backbone. How about that? Show some backbone, which is what I tweeted out earlier today. Make a principled stand against this. You cannot play Anthony. I mean, you can, but you should not play Anthony Davis after the All-Star break. You just shouldn't. This is destructive and disruptive for your team. So show some backbone. All right, next one up here. Looking forward to the NFL season, 
if there were if there would be any areas of the game the Saints should focus on in preseason, they slash it would be blank. Uh, so you got to find a slot receiver and tight end. Slot receiver and tight end. It was their Achilles heel. It was you know, it was so unfortunate because we said this last offseason, and that's just the reality of the NFL when the salary cap and you run up against it every year. You can't have stars at every position, but their lack of a true slot receiver threat. And we all love Ben Watson, but he'd be the first to tell you he wasn't as productive last year as he would have liked. Slot receiver and tight end. Got to focus on that really this offseason, improving those two spots. All right, and last one here. Do you think the next LSU basketball game will enter overtime? No, no, and he almost did again. That would have been their fourth one, right? They're three and zero in overtime. That would have been their fourth one against Kentucky. No, if they enter overtime against Georgia, things have gone extremely wrong. You cannot have a letdown against Georgia this weekend. Cannot happen. That will erase every gain you got with your resume. Um, with that ran against Kentucky on the road. Sports Libs tonight. We'll take a break. Coming back, we'll try to squeeze in a call of yours. Tony's on hold. And then we've got a great moment of zen. It is Valentine's Day in about an hour and a half. And Logan has one of his favorite Valentine's movies, but it's not what you think. We'll do that coming back here. Wrapping up the last lap on WWL. I want to get Tony and Gretna. Only about 30 seconds here, Tony. You've been on hold. What you got to say about Anthony Davis, man? Yeah, how you doing, Seth? Thanks for taking my call. Look, I wanted to find out, I can't believe all the years Anthony Davis has been here that this general manager, a so-called general manager, Dell Dimps, and the head coach, Gentry, hasn't been able to build a better team around him. So uh, is it a great prediction to say that at the end of the year, Anthony Davis will be with some powerhouse team in the NFL, I mean, in the NBA, and, and, and the general manager and head coach will be looking for a job, right? Yes, yes. The, all those are spot-on predictions, Tony, I think. All of that's going to happen before the start of next season. A couple of quick notes here sports-wise. LSU defensive lineman Dominic Livingston has entered his name into the NCAA's transfer portal, but defensive lineman David Cotton he took his name out. Also, there's reports that Ben Watson now going to work for ESPN, so you'll be seeing him every Sunday and possibly a lot more than that. That's going to do it for our show. Thanks to Logan Falgu. Thanks to everybody who joined the show tonight. All of our guests, Ralph Michaels, Mike Neighbors, Tyler Nunez, Brett Martell, and Carter Bryant. Program Director Diane Newman, Assistant Program Director Todd Manessis, and you for listening. I'm Seth Dunlap. Check the podcast for the entire show. Apple Podcasts, Radio.com app, or WWL.com. I'm Seth Dunlap. We hand it off to Beyond Reality Radio and leave you with our moment of zen. Yeah, Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. And Logan tells me behind the glass his favorite Valentine movie, My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, from the 80s. Here's a quote from that movie. Here you go. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.